Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I am so excited to be here with you on this episode, and I don't say that lightly. I woke up this morning up out of bed before I read my Bible, and I was so excited for the word that's down in my spirit for you today. I was thinking about some things that I deal with on a daily basis, uh, at least on a weekly basis. And one of the things that I deal with in counseling with people, also praying with people at the altar, and that God's been showing me through the Spirit, is that really sometimes there's a there's a chasm, there's a roadblock, there's there's a valley that's hard to cross. And that valley is simply how can we relate to God? And I know that sounds so maybe silly to you because maybe you've been in relationship with Christ for a while, but just listen to me for about 20 minutes here, and I'm going to try to help you to where maybe if it's not you that's having a hard time, maybe you can help someone else because all this will tie back in to how do we help reach more people for Jesus? How do we help understand and be more like him? Because that's the question. How do we relate to this God? How do we see God? How do we understand God? How do we... How how do we really, really get a depth of relationship with God that we need? And that's what I'm going to talk about is how can we relate. So first of all, when we see God, remember, God is a triune being. So he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or he is Jehovah Sovereign God, he is Jesus, and he's also the Holy Spirit. So as we talk, I want you to ask yourself, what way do I naturally relate to God? Do I see him more as a supreme God, Jehovah God, supreme ruler? Do I see him more as Jesus, or do I see him more as the Holy Spirit? And you might say, well, I see him as all those, but let me explain before you first make that judgment, or how do I understand God the most? How am I most intimate with God, this triune being? And so, first of all, you know, it's important that we first establish that Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one of his disciples say, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. But then verse 2, he says, when you pray, say our Father. See, that's so important. He established precedence. Jesus himself established that we need to pray to God as our Father. And so, see, he's saying pray to him that there's this intimacy that you have with him, it's not some distance. See, this was foreign to the Jewish people, and that's important. That's one of the reasons why they wanted to kill Jesus, one of the reasons why they hunted him, one of the reasons why they kept coming against him is because the Jewish people were never taught to relate to him in this idea that there was this intimacy close enough to call him father. They would call him Jehovah Jireh. They would call him El Shaddai. They would call him all these different names, but they would never approach him as father. And so Jesus Jesus is establishing that God is Jehovah God. He's supreme ruler. You know, he has all authority, all power, but he, knowing that, we can call him our father. And see, he's establishing the fact that this relationship with God now, we don't have to fear him like a uh, punishing God. You know, God is not up there at the baseball bat waiting to punish us when we do wrong, but God is an intimate father that yet at the same time he created us, he formed us out of dust, he breathed breath into our body, he still wants to be intimate with us. And this is a hard place for people that have had a natural father, that have had maybe a biological father, or maybe also a 
father that wasn't biological, but that was in their life that maybe abused them or maybe was stern with them or maybe didn't wasn't very uh, loving to them. And it's hard for people to relate to this sovereign God as father. And I see a lot of times that people really need to get past that idea because I may have been the best father in the world. I wasn't, but I may have been. Let's just use this situation. I'm, I'm the best father in the world. I've done everything perfect as far as compared to all the other fathers and I shined out. And still, if I'd done everything right, I didn't spoil them too much, but I just gave them enough spoiling. I disciplined them correctly and I did things right for their good. And I was the best I could be. And I was number one dad of the entire United States. And that you could give me the ribbon, number one dad. Guess what? Compared to our sovereign father, I was nothing. I was not one grain of salt in an entire salt shaker. That's the sovereignty of God. That's how good God is. That's the God that we serve of the Bible. He is sovereign. He's going to work everything out for our good. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. And that is our sovereign God. We need to be able to relate to him. As Jesus said, when you pray, say our father. So God isn't shocked with your situation. God is not panicking because something happened to you. The devil's never scared God. He's defeated him on the cross. He is a loser. He is a liar. And he's never going to shake the sovereign supreme ruler. That's what the sovereignty of God means. He's a, he's a complete ruler. He blocks things from happening. See, some of the things that we think happen that's bad, it was actually God blocking us from something worse to happen. Some of the lessons we've been taught, I've learned in my life, it wasn't to punish us in that situation. It was to teach us for the next situation so we wouldn't fail in that situation. See, that's where we can trust in Romans chapter 8 that says all things work for the good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. That's what it says in the scripture. We He is sovereign in the idea that he's going to work out even this bad situation for my good. But then, not only is he God our Father, but then we know that he's Jesus. So we, it's, it's a little easier most of the time for people to see this Jesus, you know, walking around, being nice to people, healing people. And I think there's a lot of this that's skewed, obviously, in the secular world about who Jesus is. But we can relate as Christians easier, most people can, to a friend. Because if you've ever had a good friend, then you can relate to this. You don't have to have a great biological family. You don't have to have had a real loving parents, but they can relate. And God in his infinite wisdom gave us gave us himself in three different attributes, being the same God, but three different offices to where we can relate to him. I believe that's exactly why he did it. But he says this, Jesus said this in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. See, that's what Jesus said. So not only can should we see God as our supreme ruler, but also as our friend. You know, we have a friend in Jesus. It makes me want to sing the song right now. I don't want to do that. It might hurt your ears. But we have a friend in Jesus. Isn't that good? That he is our friend that sticketh closer than a brother, the psalmist said. He is that intimate. He's that friend. He cares for us. He walks with us hand in hand. Hey, he wishes for us the greatest things that the best friend in the entire world times 10 billion wants to give us because he's a friend. And I think it's sometimes easier to relate to him knowing this and then knowing God as the Holy Spirit. Now, I think this is the primary in in our culture today. 
Now, I'm not going to argue with you about churches and the way they do church and what church is white and what is wrong. You know, those questions are inexhaustible. But I want to tell you what I see the modern church, the church as a whole in America, I see them mostly relating now to God as the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Because when you look at the big churches, you look at the mega churches that have all the media, Elevation Church, churches like that, uh, you know, that are just big churches, and, and I think they're doing some great things. I really do. But when you see them, you see them with their hands raised in the air. You know, you see them, you know, worshiping God. You see them now, you know, which 10, 20, years ago, it was almost like the church kind of got away from that. They didn't really worship God like that. It, and I'm not saying all churches do that, but a lot of churches now are moving to that, uh, more to contemporary type services to where you raise your hands and you worship and you just, you know, bask in his presence. And, you know, you get the picture of someone sitting there with their hands out, with their eyes closed. I mean, that's knowing God is the Holy Spirit. You know, I think that most of those people are worshiping God. And the messages now, a lot of the messages, aren't as long. They're not quite as, uh, how do I want to say, uh, they're not quite as stern as they used to be now because they don't want that. A lot of people don't want to hear about the sovereign God. Now, I'm not going to get in this debate with you, but I'm just observing that most people now can relate to this God as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and, and he is our, our guider. He's our helper. You know, he guides us into all truth. In John 14, 26, the scripture says, but the Holy Spirit will come and will help you because my Father send the Spirit to take my place, and the Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of what I said. So he's our reminder. He's our helper. He's our guide. You know, that's what we really want. You know, it's kind of that mothering spirit. You know how mamas are, and maybe you don't know your mother, but maybe you've had some mothering figure in your life or a grandmother, you know, that just loves you no matter what. That just, no, I mean, it just, it just loves you unconditionally. And, you know, I understand sometimes the power of the Holy Spirit comes down in a great conviction way. That's the Holy Spirit also. But most generally, I think the church as a whole is embracing this idea as God is the Holy Spirit. And so it is so important that when we do understand God, that I think we need to understand him in all three ways. I think we need to take the time to ask ourselves, is there a roadblock? I believe that people that are very staunch in their worship, and, and I say that with all respect, with all due respect, you know, don't show any emotion that are, are kind of callous or maybe kind of even, I'd say, cold, that they have a hard time expressing their emotions through they they have a hard time connecting to the Holy Spirit, and God help us if we're that person, because he's, the Bible says it will lead you into all truth. It will guide us in the right direction. And the Holy Spirit, can, the Holy Spirit can show you who the Father is. The Holy Spirit can show you who Jesus is. But the point is, he's the main way that he communicates besides through his word is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be careful that we don't have some roadblock in our way that says, you know, we can't feel him. We can't sense him. We ought to be able to not only know that God is sovereign, that he formed us out of dust and breathed breath into our body, but we also ought to know that Jesus Jesus is our friend and that he sticks closer than a brother and he's not going to leave us every time we make one little mistake. But last but not least, we darn sure better know that God through the power of the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth because it may not happen in a second. It may not happen even in an hour or even in a day, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead 
lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is who takes you by the hand and reveals to you who God the Sovereign Father is, to where you can then say, hey, this wrong idea of who God is, trying to hit me over the head with the baseball bat, trying to punish me and see me in my room every time I make a mistake and alienate himself from me, the Holy Spirit is the one that will teach you, no, son, daughter, that's the wrong thinking. That's not who God is. And through prayer and through meditation and through reading the scriptures, the Holy Spirit works to reveal who the true sovereign God is. I believe if we could get this down of who the sovereignty of God is and who our friend in Jesus is and knowing God through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be unstoppable. We wouldn't be ruining our witness anymore. We wouldn't be making the mistakes and falling into the traps that we fall into. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is our goal. Our goal as children of God, as daughters and sons of God, is to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, to walk in knowing who I am. You see, Christianity is not a big do, but it's a big done. See, I cannot perform enough and do enough to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I can only stop my self-will, stop my strength of who I think I am and what I think I'm going to do, and then stop and yield to the power of the Holy Spirit to live this Christian life. Brothers and sisters, that's the Christian life. The Christian life is looking back to the cross, the author, the finisher of our faith, and trusting solely in the cross and the work that Jesus did on it for the power of God unto salvation. And salvation means to be made whole. I can't trust in my experiences. I can't trust in who I was as a young man, as a child. I can't even trust who I was 10 years ago because God is taking me past where I was to where I am. And I can't see where God wants me to go, but I can yield and trust that God's taking me somewhere that I don't understand. So I trust him to lead me into passive righteousness for his name's sake. His word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. Light only lights up directly in front of me. I can't see down the path a year or two or three or even a week. I can't see it. So all I can do is let his word be a lamp into my feet. Let the Holy Spirit teach me and guide me to walk on this path of this Christian life. And then trusting that our sovereign God can then move stones out of my way that can light up areas that need to be lit up, that can push off death traps, that can fill in holes that are in front of me, that can smooth it out. And the ones I do fall in, he can lend a hand down into the pit through the friend that I have in Jesus to lift me up out of the pit. That's the Christian life. I'm telling you what I felt that, friends. God is able to help us along, direct our path. And I think we just get so one-dimensional. I do get so one-dimensional and think, you know, I just don't know if I can trust. You know, I'm going through this situation. You know, I anxiety would be a minimal. You know, one of the most listened to podcasts, I think 60 or so listens on anxiety is one of the most listened to podcasts. We wouldn't even have that anxiety if we really trusted in God of who he says he is. See, many times in my life, I've understood that a lot of my struggle, a lot of my struggle isn't just simply keeping from sin, which is a struggle. But my struggle is just believing who God says he is, believing that God is who he says he is and 
debunking or diffusing the lies of the devil because the devil's doing the same thing he's always done. He's coming in. He's challenging the word of God. He's challenging who God says that he is, just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden said, no, you shall not surely die. That's the devil's job because he's an accuser of the brethren. But if I can walk this Christian life hand in hand with God, trusting him as a friend, trusting in him as a, as a Holy Spirit and being my help or being my teacher and trusting in the sovereignty of God, being my supreme ruler, that his ways are higher than my ways. And I just don't have enough information to see what God's going to do with my situation. Then that's how we walk with God. That's what God wants to do in us. That is this Christian life. And friends, I just pray that you guys will ask yourself, how do I relate to God? How do I see God? What's some roadblocks in my life? What's some things that I'm having a hard time relating to God on? Am I really trusting him for who he says he is in being Jehovah, supreme ruler in my life? Am I really trusting him to be my friend when I don't have any friends? No, everyone's doesn't seem like nobody's there for me. Do I trust? Do I have a friend in Jesus? And last but not least, do I trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to teach me? I just don't have enough information. Friends, it ought to encourage you to go to the Lord in prayer. Go to his word. Seek him out. Find out who he is. The Bible says, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when you see what God says to you, when he says, you're my friend, you're my daughter, you're my son. You know what? I'm your helper and I'm here to help you. You'll be changed. It'll change your life. Revelation will change your life when you see who God is. How can we relate to this God of the Bible? I propose to you how we relate to him is how he says he is. We just trust him for who he is. We do our part, which is very minimal in the kingdom of God. But we for sure trust God that he will do his part. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. And he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the power of the Trinity and who God says he is. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Until next time, God bless.